his back or his neck. Uh, but you can see pressure right up the middle. Kosi will come. Nofoinga comes up the middle, and there's just a big pressure that's put on by Maltosi, and then it's off to the races for Nofo. Huge turn of events. Cougars were looking like they were going to put it in the end zone or get three out of it. Touchdown like they did, Baylor did to UNLV. What an incredible finish to that football game a week ago. That'll be the final snap. Welcome back for the fourth installment of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. I'm Brian Marceau, your host. We're going to jump right into it, guys. It's brought to us by Hughes River Expedition because this show is published on the Tubs of the Club YouTube channel. As always, quick run through. The Power Rankings are a compilation of votes from Big Sky Podcast Network contributors, guys guys like the four, four dudes over at Grizz Fan, like Mike and Brent. We've got Colby Peterson at Weber State Weekly. We've got the Ryans at R&R CatCast. We've got everyone from Tubbs at the Club as well. We get some help from a good number of Big Sky Conference beat reporters from people covering all ends of the conference. So it's not just eyes on the biggest schools. It's eyes on anyone. Those votes are averaged. That's your power rankings. So this week, one of the things that's going to change because we're officially into the conference season, unless you're Sacramento State, I'm going to start to give myself permission to focus a little bit less on some of the less interesting teams and a little bit more on the more interesting teams because if we're looking at it's a conference season, different from out-of-conference play when there was 11 to 12 games to cover each week, there's not 11 to 12 games because teams obviously play each other. We're closer to five or six. I'm probably going to just choose to spend time on each game talking about the team I found most interesting, probably the teams that are going to win. A great encapsulation of that, guys, is where we're going to start our power rankings right at the bottom. The Bengals from Idaho State, they were the clear last place team. This week was one of the uh, few winnable games you'd, you'd probably say on paper even exists on Idaho State's schedule. They travel to Greeley, Colorado. They're playing the Northern Colorado Bears. And again, I'm going to just talk about the Idaho State angle of this for a minute. We'll spend more at the Northern Colorado part. Idaho State gets their ass kicked 35 to 14. The game was tied at halftime 14 14. So look, there were, there's a time where this game looked respectable, although part of that was some luck. Uh, early from Idaho State, uh, benefiting from Northern Colorado face planting on a couple early drives. Uh, but again, second half, it's a 21-0 shutout for Idaho State. Look, Hunter Hayes goes 25-34, quarterback for 264 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Sagan Gronauer comes in, goes two of six for 18 yards. That's about what Sagan Gronauer is going to do. Hunter Hayes is just the best quarterback left at Idaho State until Tyler Vanderwall's back. We have no idea when that is. Maybe the alone, two, two bright spots in this game for me, for Idaho State. Running back Raiden Hunter easily has his best outing, 17 carries for 111 yards, and receiver Xavier Gullery, seven receptions, 120 yards and a touchdown, including a 51-yard pass. Those are the highlights, but that's that's really about it in terms of interesting stuff from Idaho State. I mean, Idaho State gained 423 yards, actually outgained the, the Bears, and still found a way to lose convincingly by, by 21 in spite of having outgained Northern Colorado. And it also wasn't this catastrophic turnover issue. Idaho State has two turnovers. Northern Colorado just one. Uh, real, realistically, Idaho State gained a good amount of empty yards, obviously did not convert 
nearly enough as the, the score would indicate. But the only interesting part to me right now about Idaho State is a question to the Bengals sitting at 0-4 right now have a single win left on their schedule. Looking through the remaining conference slate, I'd say they have the Bengals have one shot. October 15th, Idaho State hosts Cal Poly. Otherwise, we're going to get in the, Idaho State's going to have no wins. It's going to be a really rough year for Charlie Ragle, but I'm I'm done talking about him at this point. If you, if Idaho State's going to get their ass kicked by this much by Northern Colorado team that's not particularly good, uh, look, we're, we're just moving on. It's gonna, it's a transitional time in Idaho State. If you're a Bengal fan, uh, buckle up or maybe take this football season off. Spend time paying attention to that other Idaho team. Coming in at number 11, Cal Poly. Cal Poly had a bye week. We're not going to spend time talking about Cal Poly's bye week. The Mustangs sit at one and two. Their one win, a narrow win over Pioneer Conference San Diego. We'll get to Cal Poly uh, there's nothing to add, obviously, from this week. Cal Poly does not play, so uh, hey, kind of a win for the Mustangs. Um, next week, Cal Poly is going to host Sacramento State. We'll get to more Sacramento State as the show goes on, but uh, let's just put I'm going to put it this way. Uh, having a bye week is a relative win. Cal Poly has a rough week coming coming forward. Maybe quarterback Jaden Johnson is going to get uh, healthy with that week off. True freshman who looked good in his first two starts before he he was injured last week. Spencer Brash played relief. Done talking about Cal Poly. Number 10, Northern Colorado. We already touched on this game, but we got to hit the Northern Colorado end. This was maybe the most perfect Northern Colorado game that the, look, the Bears are going to have. The, they win 35-14. This is a game that Northern Colorado probably should have won about 49-14 because Northern Colorado, the very first two drives, they march march down to the red zone. Uh, one ends – first drive is a turnover, lost fumble. The next drive is a missed, fi- missed field goal. But, look, the Bears should not have even been t- kicking a field goal in that position. Uh, box score-wise, Dylan McCaffrey's back in the starting position for Northern Colorado. If you're an Idaho fan like myself who – is going to see Northern Colorado next week. I think that's fantastic news, but hey, we rag on the McCaffrey's or I rag on the McCaffrey's all the time. So if they have a good week, we'll acknowledge it. Dylan McCaffrey has the game of his career at this point goes 23 of 28 for 234 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions also added 20 yards on the ground. Elijah Dotson running back for Northern Colorado rushes 24 times for 102 yards and a touchdown uh, leading leading receiver is Alec Pell, six receptions, 86 yards. And uh, look, the big story here is this was the battle. This was a, for a lot of people. This was a joke. If you're if you're not a Northern Colorado fan or an Idaho State fan, this game is kind of a joke of the battle for the bottom of the conference. And Northern Colorado showed what I expected they'd show. There there is a pretty big talent gap between Northern Colorado and Idaho State. Now there's still a gigantic talent gap between. Northern Colorado and the mid tier of the conference. But the, look, the bears do have some guys who can do some, some damage given the right situation. Uh, I'm not going to say I have any sort of confidence in Dylan McCaffrey moving forward. In spite of that, you know, good line. If you watch Northern Colorado, what you're going to see is McCaffrey almost exclusively throws dump off passes, very short underneath, underneath passes or screen passes. Uh, that's going to work in Idaho state against any good team in the league. That's not because look, we've already seen this. We already saw uh, McCaffrey looked not that good against some terrible FCS teams like Houston Baptist. Maybe this is this is more to me a referendum on Idaho State being catastrophically terrible. But hey, the Bears have a good week. 
we'll acknowledge it. I don't think there's a ton of good weeks in the remaining the remainder of the season for Northern Colorado. A little bit of an anomaly here, though. Northern Colorado could move the ball relatively well for a lot of the game, not the whole game against Idaho State. But like I said, they're outgained uh, 423 yards for Idaho State to 384 for Northern Colorado, which I, I just wish Northern Colorado could have capitalized on those other drives I talked about earlier because a 49-14 to 14 win when being outgained would be mostly just hysterical. But look, even in spite of Elijah Dotson having a good game, and look, Elijah Dotson is a good running back. He is a talented guy. That's the difference between Northern Colorado and a team like Idaho State. As a team, Northern Colorado rushes 41 times for 150 yards. That's one of their best outings of the season. It's still sub four yards per rush. Northern Colorado has Idaho. They're traveling to Moscow, Idaho for University of Idaho's homecoming. We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, I, I will tell you with how Idaho... Idaho, I don't think is going to be that concerned with uh, Dylan McCaffrey as starting quarterback and what we saw from Northern Colorado against Idaho State, even in a great week for Northern Colorado. Uh, also, Northern Colorado defensively, like they did force two turnovers, including a, fum a fumble loss and a pick thrown by Hunter Hayes. But got to keep in mind, Hunter Hayes is one of the one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So, uh, again, great, great day for Northern Colorado, but huge asterisk. I would not read much into this other than to say, Idaho State just looks catastrophically terrible. Uh, remainder of the schedule for Northern Colorado. Do they have many wins left on this on their slate? I don't really think so. Uh, that's another question, I guess. So, I mean, good news for Northern Colorado. They picked up two consecutive wins at Lamar and at home against Idaho State when they could. But the rest of like, the next month, Northern Colorado's traveling to Idaho, traveling to Sac State, hosting Montana State, hosting Davis. Maybe a win is on the table in theory at Portland State, but that's, to me, not a winnable game until November 5th. So, man, uh, enjoy it while it lasts in Greeley, guys. It's going to be a while before the next. Coming in at number nine, top five, Portland State. This is another game we're going to spend more time talking about the other team. Portland State just gets their asses kicked completely in Missoula against, against Montana. Uh, the Vikings lose 53 to 16, a weird story relating to this game. It has to do with the media coverage around Missoula. And this to me is not that important. It's more just the asterisk next to Portland state. A lot of people in big sky media continually have faith in Portland state. I do not know why, like the, the story that bounced around a little bit in big sky media was that Portland state looks better than South Dakota and South Dakota got killed by Montana earlier. Uh, well, uh, spoiler alert, Portland State is not better than South Dakota. They're right with how Portland State looked at Montana. There's not a ton of teams Portland State's probably better than. Uh, Dante Sachere, starting quarterback, goes 9 of 13 for 62 yards, does throw a touchdown. Two other guys uh, threw passes for Portland State. Uh, the one who threw the most in relief, Mike Irwin, 4 of 13 for 13 yards and a pick. I expect we're not going to see him back for a while. As we talked about earlier on this show, Portland State is another team that absolutely cannot run the football. Now, University of Montana is extremely good defensively, so hold, you know, maybe grain of salt. But once again, leading rusher for Portland State is quarterback Dante Sacheray, 11 carries for 36 yards. If you watch Portland State, you're going to see Sacheray is going to lead them in rushing virtually every game. Uh, no wide receiver really jumps off the page, but hell, the Vikings passed 14 of 27 overall for 103 yards and one touchdown, one pick. So obviously no receiver is going to look uh, particularly great uh, overall team stats to maybe pay attention to 
Look, the Vikings gained 199 total yards. Yeah, Montana's good, but if you're an okay team, you're gonna have an okay team's gonna have to get over 200, well over 200 yards against anyone who's reasonably okay for us to view a team like Portland State as in that mid tier of the conference. My takeaway right now: Portland State had a real promising week one, got their asses kicked against Oregon in week two, and against Washington in week two. And right now, off a of bye, Portland State sits at 0-3. They have one solid, impressive-ish looking loss against San Jose State and two absolute ass kickings where, yes, the other team is more talented, but we saw absolutely no resistance. I'm starting to think Portland State's a team we should move out of that mid-tier of the conference and say, look, maybe Portland State and Northern Colorado are going to be in a death match for the best of the worst in the conference later this year. Uh, but until we see Portland state look something like we saw in week one and at least put up a little bit of fight, I am moving towards saying I'm just done uh, talking too much about Portland state. Uh, the Vikings this week will host Northern Arizona. It obviously in Portland. So uh, that look, th maybe th that's what I'd say. Look at is look Portland state. They're trending on outside of that bottom of the middle of the conference. Well, Hey, NAU looks like they might be towards the bottom of that middle tier of the conference. So here's a death match of who is, uh, who's the team that is going to be slightly above Northern Colorado, Portland state or Northern Arizona. Well, you get that bull game this week, moving on from Portland state number eight, we have Northern Arizona and probably need to just go over this now minus Northern Colorado. You're going to see a lot of losses in the bottom half and all the wins in the top half. Northern Arizona hosts University of Idaho in Flagstaff, and the score is 27 to 10. Idaho wins. Please do not confuse 27 to 10 as being anything, any sort of competitive game whatsoever. Northern Arizona shut out in the second half. P time of possession. Northern Arizona has the ball for a total of 18 minutes and about in 32 seconds. So 18 minutes, 32 seconds for the entire game because Northern Arizona got their asses kicked defensively as in Idaho just shoved them off the field for a good amount of the drives. And then when Idaho had the ball, most of the time Idaho was able to advance and absolutely sat on it. So Northern Arizona did not threaten them in this game whatsoever. We had a, another, not that great outing from RJ Martinez right now, sophomore quarterback, RJ Martinez last year's freshman year in the big sky conference, real rough early season guys, Northern Arizona is one in three, Martinez has a single good outing that came in a, I'll say a loss uh, to North Dakota last week follows that 300 plus yard performance up this week, going 15 of 34 for 127 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So yeah, South of 50% completion percentage, not even 130 yards passing and turnover. Uh, again, real, not impressive, but look, Northern Arizona was equally unimpressive on the ground. Uh, asterisk. Northern Arizona was down to their third string running back. So the guy who had the most carries is Drayson Hall, uh, Drayson Hall, 14 carries for 64 yards. Uh, no other, the, the other carries include one for Coleman Owen and then RJ Martinez, uh, some rushes, some sacks for Owen had three yards. RJ Martinez overall negative 10 yards. Uh, again, very unimpressive outing for Northern Arizona. And the other thing to bring up here, Northern Arizona earlier this year had looked relatively strong on the defensive side. Uh, let's just say that was not the case against Idaho. Idaho starting redshirt freshman quarterback in his first uh, first start in 
as a big sky conference quarterback. He played a few games in 2021, but not as a starter. Uh, Northern Arizona gets more than doubled up yardage wise. Uh, Idaho gains 399 yards to Northern Arizona's 184 total yards. So again, just another version of a complete ass kicking uh, Northern Arizona received. And Northern Arizona only has two total penalties for 15 yards. So you you wouldn't say Northern Arizona was just shooting themselves in the foot. No, the the lumberjacks are just lumberjacks were just embarrassed. That was it. Idaho had a stranglehold in this game the whole time. We'll talk about it more. Later, Northern Arizona, we just talked about it uh, this week. They have that death match with Portland State to see uh, who is the actual uh, worst team in the middle middle of the conference or best team in the bottom of the conference. Moving on from Northern Arizona, we have number seven, Eastern Washington. Uh, That game is at least kind of interesting, guys. So Eastern Washington hosts Montana State. Eastern Washington, I'm going to cover it for about two seconds. Boy, does Eastern have an unbelievably difficult schedule. Prior to prior to this game, Eastern was sitting at one and one with a win at home against Tennessee State and a just drubbing at Oregon, Pac-12 Oregon, 70 to 14. Eastern this week, look, they lose to Montana State 38-35 in a real tight game. The remaining schedule for Eastern coming up is they're going to travel to Gainesville to play the SEC Florida Gators. Then they're going to travel to Weber State. Then they're going to host Sacramento State. There's honestly not an okay-ish game on Eastern schedule until October 22nd at Cal Poly. We've already talked about a team who sees Cal Poly as kind of their ray of sunshine. I believe that's Idaho State. That's a theme for Cal Poly this year. So anyway, the, the actual game this week, Eastern, real competitive, definite bounce back from what happened against um, against Oregon. Uh, it, it's a nail-biter, goes back and forth. Eastern eventually, and Eastern fans are pissed because of a late late call, should have been a catch, was ruled incomplete. But uh, the Eagles go down. Gunnar Talkington acquits himself relatively well, not as impressive as his week one outing against Tennessee State, but he goes 16 to 26 for 201 yards passing, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Doesn't have the footprint on the ground that we've seen, that we saw Talkington have in week one, seven rushes for minus three total yards. That, of course, includes sacks. Revelation for Eastern is we finally saw a running back look promising, uh, Micah Smith. Rushes 13 times for 114 yards and two touchdowns. Micah Smith is a is a junior. Uh, hasn't played a ton prior, but uh, look, Eastern people we know, we talked about Eastern football, had been real stoked on the running back room, but we'd seen no evidence this season of who the heck in the running back room is supposed to be okay. Well, look, Micah Smith has the best game on the ground for, for any Eastern Eagle so far this season. Watch him in future games. In the receiving room, Freddie Roberson, two catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Efton Chisholm, third, six receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown. Eagles do lose, did lose one fumble. Micah Smith uh, lost the fumble in addition to the turnover from, from Gunnar Talkington. Uh, but look, Montana State is a, they're, you're going to see them far later in, in the power rankings. Uh, so look, Montana State, very good team. Eastern still was in this game being outgained by Montana state. So again, that Eastern defense that we talked about, I talked about on the show, Eastern Washington absolutely cannot stop the run. Well, Montana state state is a rushing team 
And Eastern could not stop Montana State whatsoever on the ground, giving up just under six yards per carry, 355 yards rushing on 60 rushes. So, yeah, that was uh, 20 passes from Montana State to 60 rush attempts. We'll get there later. Uh, so Montana State not exactly uh, not exactly confusing what the game plan was here. But obviously Montana State had been watching this show and knew Eastern could not defend the run. And Montana State ran all over them in spite of being down to about a fourth or fifth string running back and having Tommy Mallott starting quarterback go out with injury too. For Eastern, uh, interesting thing, look at play calling distribution, uh, 26 pass attempts to 29 rushes. Eastern was effective running the ball, 148 yards rushing on 29 attempts. That's 5.1 yards per attempt. Uh, relatively successful through the air, but hey, Montana State's a good team. And if you're not going to, if you're going to surrender six yards per rush like Eastern did, honestly, that game felt like it should have probably should have been worse than it was. But Eastern easily could have come out as the victor uh, this coming week. Already covered, Eastern's going to travel to Gainesville, Florida. Uh, if you're an Eastern fan, just ignore what happens. You're funding the athletic department. That's good enough. Number six, UC Davis. UC Davis. Hangs in tough with Weber State, but loses 17 to 12. Brings UC Davis down to one and three. UC Davis, like Cal Poly, their only win is against San Diego Pioneer Conference. Although Davis has hung tough with two top flight FCS programs, almost beat South Dakota State, hung in tight with Weber State, but you know what? No, st still no still no good FCS wins yet, but uh, looking respectable against good FCS teams is why UC Davis is as high in this poll as they are. Uh, Miles Hastings, interesting strategy here for UC Davis against Weber, and I'm going to say mixed results. Miles Hastings for Davis throws 57 times for 256 yards. If you're curious, uh, that is not precisely that efficient. That's 4.5 yards per pass. Uh, a little perplexing because Davis was a little bit more effective on the ground if you just look at the overall box score, 30 rushes for 161 yards. We'll throw the asterisk that Yulonzo uh, Gilliam led the way, 17 rushes for 111 yards, had a long of 33. Land Larison, he, he was number two rusher for Davis, eight rushes for 31 yards, a long of 19. But look, those those two long rushes, we have 52 yards between those rushes, which if you subtract that from the total, that means otherwise Davis ran 28 times for just over 100 yards, which that's a, not as effective as the overall box score numbers would indicate. So it uh, could be the case that, honestly, Davis thought, hey, the best way they can exploit Weber is against the secondary. Uh, hard to say that was, a, that was a good call, but they, look, we'll talk about Weber more later on. Um, the the Aggies outgained Weber 417 yards to 356, but could not just just could not close the game out. Uh, so that's why that's where we're at. Um, in addition to you, Lonzo Gilliam in in the receiving room, uh, Gilliam five catches for 35 yards. Leading receiver is C.J. Hutton for Davis, 10 receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, takeaway here for Davis is again look strong against a good FCS team. So uh, this is certainly not the worst week Davis could have possibly had, but at some point, good teams are going to win close games against other good teams. And Davis it doesn't, doesn't get easier for Davis next week. They're going to travel to Bozeman to play Montana state week after there's a little reprieve the week after is a bye, And then 
Davis has NAU. So uh, maybe just maybe for Davis is just get through that rough early stretch. And that is what Davis needs to do. Cause after, after Montana state and their bye, Davis is going to see NAU Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, Idaho state. So uh, we're closing in on Davis entering what is probably the, the run that's going to make the team look respectable, but uh, two close losses against good teams is, is not going to push this, this team to the playoffs. Davis is closing in. Uh, they don't have to be perfect to make the playoffs, but they're, they've probably got one total loss left in them. Mercifully for Davis, we have it. They have that long run. I just referenced moving on from Davis. We go to number five university of Idaho already covered. Jason Neck picks up his first win as head coach in Flagstaff. Of note for Idaho, but got already covered that if NAU had the ball for 18 minutes, 32 seconds, that means Idaho, which dominated both sides of the ball, surrendered fewer than 200 yards defensively and held the ball for just under 42 minutes. This game was not a 17-point game. It didn't feel like watching it. Watching it, This game felt more like a 30-point game that was just being played out at the end. Redshirt freshman Giovanni McCoy starting quarterback for Idaho goes 18 of 20 for 184 yards and a touchdown only had the only asked to throw it 20 times. So this wasn't miles Hastings throwing it damn near 60 times, but still McCoy picks up 184 yards. That's over just over 10 yards per completion. Just, just barely under uh, 10 yards per attempt leading the way in the running back room. Anthony Woods rushes 18 times for 84 yards. Rashawn Johnson rushes 25 times for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jermaine Jackson, top receiver for Idaho, again, five receptions for 96 yards. Although uh, a couple other receivers chipped in with five catches, Michael Graves and Hayden Hatton, uh, both five catches, Graves for 50 yards, Hatton for 49 yards. Uh, Takeaway here for the Idaho. And to me, the Idaho is a much more inter- interesting team out of these two because the Vandals, last two weeks when Idaho has been able to play FCS teams, they're starting to look like the program the Big Sky expected was dropping down to the conference back in 2018. This is a team that absolutely bullied the Drake Bulldogs, which they should. That's a Pioneer Conference team. But Idaho dominate, absolutely dominated Northern Arizona. This was not that competitive a game. Idaho scores on their first four drives, doesn't have a single punt until the second half, their second possession of the second half. Uh, overall overall stat breakdown too is Idaho was the team that hurt themselves penalties, eight penalties for 65 yards, some false starts that, uh, that hurt Idaho more than you might guess. But this is the third strong road showing for Idaho, two in losses at Washington state. That's PAC 12 Washington state and at big 10 Indiana. And now in a picking up a conference week one win at Northern Arizona. Uh, other thing for Idaho is the week prior, True freshman quarterback Jack Lane played four series. He came in in the second quarter. So the game was not over when Lane came in initially. This That was a scheduled a scheduled set of series for the dude to get some practice. Jason Eck doesn't do the two-quarterback thing whatsoever this game. Just gives it to Giovanni, just takes, takes the win. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction Idaho goes now unless they really are beating the shit out of a team. Uh, speaking of teams, Idaho should probably beat the shit out of. Uh, with how Idaho's looked defensively, the broadcast brought this up. Idaho has forced as many turnovers this year, eight, as the Vandals forced in all of 2021. So that was eight total. And Idaho played Simon Frazier last season. One, uh, That's the only Canadian team that football team that plays D1 games. They're absolutely terrible. And uh, 
look, Idaho racked up turnovers against Simon Frazier last season to get to that eight total. Well, look, the Vandals are already at eight and that that's after playing two power five teams and now two FCS teams. So defensively, this is night and day for Idaho compared to last season. The defensively, the Vandals, particularly in the secondary two, they look like they're legitimately good. And Northern Arizona has struggled offensively this season in earlier games, but, uh, Idaho was pretty damn effective against NAU, both sides of the ball. Next week, Idaho is going to host Northern Colorado. And if, look, if Idaho defensively is going to look anything like they just did against Northern Arizona, the entire Idaho fan base is going to love to see Dylan McCaffrey and his four yard dump offs trot out there because that's a Northern Northern Colorado has an unbelievably predictable offense. And, uh, Look, if the if Northern Colorado was able to be outgained by Idaho State, well, uh, look, Idaho's going to feel pretty damn okay heading into that. Coming in at number four, we have Montana State. Montana State beats Eastern Washington competitive game 38-35, which we talked about some back and forth. Takeaways from Montana State. Tommy Malott, starting quarterback, preseason All-Big Sky, goes down with an injury. He's four of eight passing for 42 yards at the time. Also had rushed three times for 10 yards. Sean Chambers, who essentially is a very similar player to Tommy Malott, comes in a relief. And Sean Chambers had also, he was he, he was number one rusher for Montana State last week. Sean Chambers does a pretty damn good Tommy Malott impression. Six of 12 passing for 69 yards, one, one touchdown, one pick. Rushes 28 times for 160 yards and two touchdowns. In addition to Chambers, Elijah Elliott, who is a good running back, for Montana state in relief of Isaiah Fonse last season. But for some reason, the dudes had buried on the depth chart. Well, he showed why he was pretty damn good last year and why people like me are confused about why he's not seeing the same amount of reps this season. While Isaiah, Isaiah Fonse is out with injury, uh, Elliot 18 rushes for 156 yards and touchdown. So between those two rushers, we already covered Montana state rushed for 355 yards on 60 carries, absolutely shoved it down Eastern Washington's throat. But still, this was a game Montana State could have lost. Eastern was in position and driving at the end of this game to pull it out. But the Eagles did not. Leading receiver for Montana State is Willie Patterson. Five receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, But no receiver is going to have pretty fantastic numbers when the total passing yards for Montana State was 111. Uh, Montana State, this is this early in the season, the winner of this game was probably going to have the most impressive big sky conference win of week one. So look, Montana state picks up a good win in Cheney, Montana state this week. They're, they're going to host UC Davis. So Montana state gets to open up with two mid conference teams in the big sky. They've already picked off one win. If Montana state can pick off a second, look, that's already four wins for that count for the FCS playoffs with Idaho state coming the week after and Northern Colorado the week after. So look, after opening with two rough games, Montana state gets back to back tune up weeks before seeing we before hosting Weber state on October 22nd. Also time for a guy like Tommy Malott to get healthy, but look, if Sean chambers is going to look like he did, uh, I don't look Montana state doesn't have to change their identity with the type of player that chambers is. Cause he comes in, does similar stuff to what Tommy Malott did. Uh, Brent Vegan's got to be feeling okay heading into week two in the Big Sky play with that 
I mean, honestly, playing Idaho State, Northern Colorado back-to-back weeks, if that's not a de facto buy, I don't know what is. Uh, but there we go, Montana State, number four. Number three, Sacramento State. Sacramento State turned in like the sexiest win of the of week one of Big Sky play, and it was not a Big Sky conference game. Sacramento State finished their out-of-conference play. They had a bye earlier. The Hornets are now 3-0. They beat the shit out of Mountain West, Colorado State, 41-10. to So really, uh, last week, I was stoked about Weber State beating the hell out of Utah State. And then Sacramento State does an encore with Colorado State. Now, Utah State's better than Colorado State. But I don't care if you're a terrible Mountain West team. Getting beat at home 31 by 31 points by a Big Sky team that the Mountain West School is funding the athletic department of the Big Sky School for that game to take place. If that's there's, I don't know if there's a more embarrassing out of conference loss uh, or FCS FBS loss right now, except for maybe the one I talked about with Utah State, Weber State, because the in state rivalry. So Sacramento State's dual quarterback system of Jake Dunaway, the pocket passer, and Asher O'Hara, short yardage plus rusher. Does fine. It combines for 22 of 33 for 235 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Asher O'Hara, of note, is 10 of 10 for 71 yards. Jake Dunaway threw the pick, but was mostly okay otherwise. On the ground, Cameron Scadaboo leads Sacramento State's 17 rushes for 67 yards and the touchdown. Asher O'Hara chipped in 11 rushes for 39 yards and two touchdowns. So that's three touchdowns for Asher O'Hara. Uh, expect at least a little attention for Big Sky Player of the Week offensively. Probably shouldn't get it, but it, it, you know he's going to be around there. Uh, Pierre Williams still has not picked it up, picked up for Sacramento State last season's All Big Sky Conference wide receiver. He's three catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver yardage wise, Cameron Scadaboo, running back, uh, three receptions for 56 yards. Some overall team stats to pay attention to. Sacramento State, we know they can move the ball. We know Troy Taylor knows what he's doing offensively, but the Hornets are looking pretty solid defensively as well. Um, They surrender 253 total yards to Colorado State, including 75 rushing yards on 29 attempts. That's 2.6 yard average. Turnover battle is even between Sacramento State and Colorado State. So it wasn't one team giving the game away. Sacramento State's got to feel pretty damn good about their one penalty for five yards. But again, Colorado State, three penalties for 29 yards. That was not Colorado State face-planting this game away. That was Colorado State just is not as good as Sacramento State. And Sacramento State uh, jumped out on on Colorado State early, 7-0 in the first quarter. And then look, it is 24-10. to 10 at halftime, and you guys can handle that math. Sacramento State shuts out Colorado State in the second half of that game. So uh, takeaways now for Sacramento State. This is the third strong offensive showing for the Hornets. In th- this season, opened up uh, scoring 56 at home against Utah Tech. Not a very good FCS team. And then scores 37 on the road at Northern I- Iowa, a solid FCS team. And then 41 on the road at Colorado State. Colorado State sucks, but you guys can handle that. 56 points, 37 points, 41 points. The Hornets are going to score. And uh, honestly, this is the best defensive outing so far. Defensively is maybe the question you have for Sacramento State. Not that they're terrible or anything, but did give up 33 points to Utah Tech. But maybe the ship's been righted. Uh, This week, Sacramento State gets to travel to Cal Poly. And uh, yeah, expect Cal Poly to have a rough time. And it, I talked about de facto by a second ago with Montana State. Here's another team with a de facto by. 
Sacramento State, they're going to travel to Cal Poly this week. Then they're going to host Northern Colorado next week. So the Hornets get essentially two weeks of buys before ho- before traveling to Cheney on October 15th against Eastern Washington. So uh, I don't see how it's possible that Sacramento State has any fewer than five wins counting for the playoffs before they play Eastern. Uh, Sacramento State, it's hard to gauge, is this the most impressive out-of-conference win? You probably still have to give it to Weber State because Colorado State looks just catastrophically terrible but still it's a mountain west team it's an fbs win on the road that's a good there's no way to call that anything but good every every team on our in our conference would be proud to say that's what they had for their out their final out of conference outing so look uh, things are looking pretty damn well for a third consecutive normal year in sacramento Uh, another team that looks like they're gonna you can almost pencil sacramento state in for the playoffs right now is the way it looks number two weber state weber state uh, to me, might have some of the most impressive overall wins in the conference schedule. But um, look, the the Wildcats beat UC Davis 17-12, covered most of that. Here's the Weber State angle of that game. Uh, Bronson Barron passes 20 time, 30 times, connects on 20 of them for 201 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Offensive coordinator Mikey Mantle, I finally remembered to look up his name, dudes. Um, Weber State's looking much more effective offensively overall heading into this game. This is actually Weber's least impressive offensive outing, but Hey, the Wildcats still pull off the win. Josh Davis, 20 rushes for 100 yards. Also one reception for 16 yards and a touchdown receiving no touchdowns rushing. As always, you're going to see Weber state led in the receiving room by Ty McPherson, five receptions for 70 yards. Um, Overall defensive stats that I I'm going to pay attention to for Weber state is, um, well, one, this isn't precisely a defensive stat. It both is and is not. Weber State was outgained 417 yards to 356, surrendered 25 first downs to, to UC Davis, while Weber State only picked up 18. But look, the the Wildcats forced the the Wildcats turned the ball over three times, forced no turnovers out of UC Davis, and still. Weber State wins 17 to 12. So I guess that's the anomaly I would look at here is Weber State turns the ball over three times against a solid UC Davis team and still holds on to win. Uh, you can bet that uh, in Ogden, fans are saying this was about as bad as we're going to look offensively and Weber State still picked up the win against a pretty dang good team. Uh, rushing the ball, Weber goes 155 yards on 36 attempts. That's 4.3 yards per rush. Uh, distribution we have 30 passes to 36 rushes so we're a little bit under 50 50 maybe 45 55 we're still seeing what mikey mantle is going to be able to do uh with jay hill but so far look the returns have been real good for weaver state overall they're sitting at four and oh only now only three of those wins count for the playoffs i don't care about western oregon that's the d2 game but uh it's not Weaver's fault they had the D2 game. That was because James Madison backed out the contract after last week when after last year when James Madison moved up to FBS. So Weaver State, they have a 35-7 win at home over you. I mean at Utah State. They have a 44-14 win at home against Utah Tech. So it's two very strong offensive showings. One against a shitty FCS team, but one against an FBS team. So hey, uh, fingers crossed that might matter. Uh, then three turnovers re- really mar this for Weaver State. 
we're going to see if they have a, any sort of rebound in them in a couple weeks. Weber State has a bye week this week, so uh, get do whatever film study they need, work on those turnovers. Bronson Barron, is, he looks at okay as a big sky quarterback. He's clearly not, let's say, a top three or top four quarterback in the big sky, uh, but he, he's doing better than R.J. Martinez at the start of the season for NAU, and R.J. Martinez is a guy on paper just about everyone everyone would have penciled in as a guy who looked better than Bronson Barron for Weber State. So uh, Barron, Barron, some mixed reviews, not terrible, not best in the league. Um, so maybe what you'd say is the takeaway right now is even though Weber State looks stronger offensively most games, the offensively is still where the weak link is going to be for these Wildcats. Uh, we know that they don't really let up defensively. I mean, look at the scores that right now Weber State, again, ignore Western Oregon uh, against Utah State, Weber State surrenders zero offensive touchdowns against Utah Tech. Weber State surrenders 14 points against uh, UC Davis. Weber State surrenders 12 points. So, look, that's pretty damn good. Uh, the, if any Big Sky team averaged surrendering between 12 and 14 points, you'd call that an elite defense. And it looks like Weber State has rebounded in that regard this season after last year's disappointing 6-5 and five run. Again, after the bye week, Weber State is going to host Eastern Washington on October 8th, which this leaves the number one team in our power rankings. Once again, University of Montana Grizzlies. They beat the hell out of Portland State 53-16. to Montana is now 4-0, four wins that, that all count for the playoffs. Every single game the Grizzlies have played is an absolute ass-kicking. Now, the Grizz clearly have played no one who you accuse of being good at this point, but the schedule's a schedule, and the Grizz have only dominating wins. So takeaways here, once again, quarterback Lucas Johnson looks great. 20 for 26, 221 yards, two touchdowns. Johnson also adds 10 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, top rusher, this is a situation just to monitor uh, Montana doesn't seem to have a clear number one running back. Xavier Harris led the way with eight carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. Pretty damn good. Broke a 64 yard run as well. Uh, the next, next top rusher we had uh, other than Luke Johnson, Luke Johnson had 10 rushes for 10 yards, but uh, again, quarterbacks also have negative rushing yards there too. So uh, throw a grain of salt there. Nick Osmo rushes six times for 14 yards. We have Isaiah Childs, five rushes for 36 yards, and Marcus Knight still working his way back to health from maybe he'll refine his all 2019 all-big sky form. He doesn't look like he is yet. Rushes four times for five yards, but he does find the end zone, so got that going for him. Mitch Roberts leads away in the receiving room. Six receptions, 83 yards, and the touchdown. Of course, the story of this game, look, 53 points. Clearly, that was an ass-kicking. But surrendering 16 total points, damn, pretty damn good. Uh, similar to I talked about, Idaho beating the hell out of NAU. Montana surrenders fewer than 200 yards, 199 total uh, to Portland State. Forced, one, ju forced just one turnover, but the Grizz scored on the turnover. Uh, obviously, Portland, the Grizz were surrendering nothing to Portland State. 2.7 yards per rush for the Vikings, 3.8 yards per pass for the Vikings. The Grizz, on the other hand, throwing the ball, they're fine. Went over Luke Johnson's stats. That equates to 8.3 yards per attempt. Uh, the Grizz still do not, not that confident in Montana as a team overall rushing the football. I talked about the running back situation. They had an issue with injuries last season, but it wasn't just injuries for the Grizz. Uh, offensive line strength was a question. 163 rushing yards on 38 attempts. That's 4.3 yards per rush. Certainly not a terrible figure at all, but not what you'd call a dominating figure in a game the Grizz dominated. 
but look, that's all splitting hairs. The Grizz are num- they're voted number one because they're beating the shit out of everyone. And in spite of having an easier schedule than a team like Sacramento State or Weber State, there's the Grizz are making an impression because this is a damn good football team. And look, they score 53 points. Most most fans are going to tell you the relative strength of University of Montana is on the defensive side of the football. So look, they can still score 53 points, but uh, surrendering 16 total, uh, pretty damn good. Montana's the re- Montana next week. Uh, the Grizz are the Grizz are going to be tra- the the Grizz are going to be traveling. Sorry for that, guys. They get they get the bye week. They get Idaho State on October 1st. So look, pencil that in as another 50, you know, 50 something to sub 10 win for Montana. Then the Grizz have a bye. And we got a real question on October 15th as a matchup. Idaho looks like it could be a fun matchup in Montana on October 15th because the Vandals look like they're strong, certainly stronger than previous seasons. Vandals got to pick up that win at Northern Colorado. Uh, you know the Grizz are going to pick up the win at Idaho State. Montana's probably going to be a heavy favorite, but October 15th is probably the first actual test of any sort for Montana. It's at home. You should expect the Grizz to be relatively heavily favored, but rel- but based off how the season progresses, uh, Montana gets a Montana after Idaho. That's October 15th and a bye week on October 8th. Uh, Montana follows Idaho up with Sac- at Sacramento State at Weber State. That uh, second half of the schedule for Montana is a bit rougher than the first half, where even after those two games, just talk about Weber State on October 29th. That's with Sacramento State on October 22nd. There's a Cal Poly break in between closing at home against Eastern Washington and then Brawl the Wild in, in Bozeman against Montana State. So second half of the season, Strength of schedule really picks up for the Grizz. But look, you got to say Montana has incredible momentum right now based off beating the shit out of everyone. And they're going to get to absolutely decimate Idaho State this coming week. Uh, defensively, got to just hit a couple guys. The uh, safety, Robbie Houck, set the Montana all-time record for tackles this last week. He picked up 24 total tackles in the game. Patrick O'Connell... Sorry, not 24 tackles in the game. He's got 24 tackles on the season. Uh, linebacker Patrick O'Connell last week was Kobig's guy, defensive player of the week, probably the best linebacker in the league. But look, there's a ton of talent on on Montana State on Montana's defensive side of the ball. You know, Alex Gummer, defensive tackle, a dude who every team in the league would absolutely love to have An, another cornerback, uh, Jane Dawson. He was all big sky level cornerback at Idaho state transferred to Montana. Well, he starts there now. Uh, Justin Ford as well was uh, one. Justin Ford looks like the best, if not, he's one of the best, if not the best cornerbacks in the league, but now he doesn't get as many tackles. Cause I mean, why in God's name would anyone even try to throw the ball to Justin Ford's end of the field? But again, uh, look, Montana's number one because they're pretty damn good. Um, we're as the these episodes continue on we're just going to spend more and more time on the better teams and let uh the other let our focus on the teams that suck kind of drop off a little bit i'm going to thank you guys for joining us uh as always this was because it's on tubs of the club 
This was brought to you guys by Hughes River Expedition. They've been a sponsor for Tubs of Club for a while. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't depast your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Mill Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check, check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches for an amazing whitewater hike scenic trail, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish on the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes? Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Thank you, as always, for joining this week. We'll be back next week with another installment of the Power Rankings. And uh, I guess question I have for you guys, we're going to be po- – we obviously post this online. We post this in FCS, uh, Reddit as well. You guys feel differently about the rankings. Let our voters know what they got wrong. Let them know what they got right. I know personally I'm on the fence about Montana's number one, but it's not about Montana looking bad or anything. The Grizz look fantastic. It's that just on paper, Weber State and Sacramento State have more impressive wins. However, I mean, if you're looking at momentum, if you're looking at just overall quality of play during game, Montana looks pretty damn good. Uh, Thanks for joining, guys. We are going to see you next week. And uh, again, Thanks for coming. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals and the craft.